Hi, I'm Priscilla Calcutt with Berkeley County School District. I work in the Office of Technology with an incredible team and we've really been thinking about how education is shifting and spent a lot of our time during the summer digging deep into PD. And today we're gonna to talk about some of our biggest takeaways and aha moments. Let's take just a moment to introduce you to the team. I'm Sloan Chenners. I'm Kate O'Leary. Phil Sheridan. Nicole LaPointe. Jessica Levine. Jeremy Osborne. Lindy Valachek. We make up the Innovative Learning Coordinator team. Our nickname is the Innovation Squad, and we are excited to bring to you a brand new episode of the Squadcast. This will be Season 3, Episode 1, Digging Into Distance Learning. One of the overarching things that a lot of the PDs talked about was procedures, procedures, procedures. And some of that is we're kind of, we normally do that in traditional classrooms anyways. Our kids know where to turn and work, where to get their grades, who their team leaders are. So think of some things in a digital format that will help your students. So in a Google Meet, what are your norms and procedures? How are they gonna ask a question? Also, look at your learning management systems. Google Classroom, Seesaw, do your kids know where to get their feedback? And a lot of those were through Matt Miller, Distance Learning Playbook, and TCA all said the same thing. I'm such a fan of Matt Miller, and I know you are too, Kate, and I found something whenever I was doing my deep dive into PD, um, and Matt Miller shared 10 video tips for students with slow internet, and it's an infographic. It's something easy that you could um, post to your Google Classroom, maybe you could send out to your parents through an email, but it gives great tips. Like, I'm gonna read a couple of them. Right, the first tip is to be sure you turn your camera off during video calls if you're beginning to experience slow internet. The second one is maybe you wanna call in with your phone to join a Google Meet. The third one, lower the video call resolution. I just think these are great, very simple, um, tips to follow that will definitely help our students out and fall in line with those procedures that you're talking about. Funny you should say that. I'm also a member of the Matt Miller Fan Club. Woo During his Remote Learning 101, we focused a lot on building relationships and communication. One of the infographics that I really took to heart was the 10 online ways to build student relationships. And it included things like letting your personality come out through your online teaching, just like you would in a regular classroom so students can get to know who you are. Um, building that human element so that you're not just a, a picture on a screen. Um, and having those different teachable moments for the kids to you know, get to know who you are. I think it's gonna be real important this fall too that you know teachers think about um, using using video as much as they can so that you know students can see who their teachers are uh, teachers can see who their students are and build that face-to-face -face relationship um, with their kids um, building up that trust so students participate in class um, and build that community in the classroom that was mentioned in the distance learning playbook as well one of the things that this makes me think of is when um, when you're doing flipped learning and trying to create videos for your students, so many times teachers get stuck on like it has to be perfect, the video does. And I found when I was in the classroom that 
um, you know, my kids would say something in the middle of a video and I'd go and edit it out and it would take hours to do that. And so I got to where it just didn't matter anymore. And my kids, my students found it amusing to hear one of my, my own personal kids ask me for a drink or the doorbell ring or something like that. So, you know, again, going back to that building relationships, they can see you as a human and not just somebody on the computer screen. Yeah, Lindy, I totally agree with the human element being very important in establishing these relationships with our students. So one of the things that kind of stood out to me when I was digging into distance learning and remote learning PD was in the Google course, Instructional Design for Remote Learning. Some of the types of feedback that I hadn't really considered in the past included uh, audio feedback using a tool like Vocaroo, where if I'm looking at something that a student turned into me instead of just commenting great job I might quickly go to Vocaroo and have my real voice talking through some of the things that were really um, great that the student did and some some specific feedback for that student to consider when they're working on revising their work so then the student gets more than just a kind of generic like great job comment through Google they get a link to the actual audio of my voice so then they would really be able to think of me more as a human and more as a teacher like in a casual conversation that you might have while walking past a student and looking over their shoulder and observing what they're working on in class. And another type of feedback that this course mentioned and also the Screencastify Genius course mentioned was using Screencastify to just record really quick, short, little feedback uh, videos and using the, the comment or the, yeah, the comment tool within Google Classroom or uh, the within Google Docs to link the video of you talking directly to a student and giving specific targeted feedback, um, but just helping that student make that connection to you and who you are as a person and not just, okay, here's what you need to do differently. And I think that that would be really meaningful for students during this time when many will be working from home. Feedback was also mentioned in one of the um, courses that I, we've talked about before, the TCA virtual PD session. Um, and one of the resources that was in that session was called Matching High Yield, high yield Effect Size um, Instructional Strategies with Digital Tools. And these strategies are just strategies to accelerate student growth. And we, throughout this document or this resource, it talks about focusing on the strategy itself. And, and then once you decide what strategy you want to use, then being able to pull in the, the resources or the tools that support that strategy. So often we have, um, we see these new shiny tools that we want to use as educators. Um, and so we get so focused on the tool that we forget about what strategy is best for these students. So again, going back to what, what strategy do I want to use now? Let me find the tool that, that helps um, that strategy. One of the ones that really spoke to me was the self-reporting grades. This is where students are assessing the quality of their own work uh, or their own level of mastery over a given subject. Um, and so with the self-reporting grades, students are then able to you know, create digital portfolios or using rubric style um, where they assess their work before it's turned in. Uh, and then um, even Google Sheets, you can even go something to, you know, like Google Sheets to be able to track 
where they've started and then kind of where they've ended. And also remembering that, you know, their projects or their work is never finished and, and, and using reflection to keep making things better. And I think that kind of goes back to the point that Sloan was talking about with feedback. If they have a rubric for some success criteria, it's really easy and you can pinpoint that formative feedback for students to really expedite their growth. I loved hearing all these ideas that we've been tossing around the table from all this online PD we've been doing. And one thing that really sticks out in my mind is engagement. I was reading the distance learning playbook and we all know engagement is the core of learning. We know that boredom can have a negative effect on learning. You look around, you think, oh great, that child's acting up or this child is so unmotivated, he or she doesn't wanna do the lesson I have. But you have to think of it differently. You have to think, how can I increase engagement and encourage them to participate in the lesson? So think about some of these skills that we all need to work on um, encouraging them to be problem solvers and critical thinkers. Here's an example. Rather than telling them what they will need, ask them what they think first. Maybe creating tasks that allow students to try out their ideas and see what works and what doesn't work. Make it more personalized for them. So if you're keeping learning personalized, you're definitely pulling in that engagement factor. Remember, there are more than one ways to solve something. A few other things we did talk about, the feedback, um, also keeping them engaged that way. And we're going to hear from Jessica about going from passive to active learning and ways to keep them engaged that way. I can agree with our team that we have all attended so many different online professional development sessions that gave us so many ideas where we can help our teachers, especially where we have students that are going to be working remotely from home. One session that I attended that went really well was called From Passive to Active Learning. And this was offered during Camp Engage, which was sponsored by Nearpod and Flocabulary. One question that was posed in this session where do your lessons typically fall along the learning continuum? The learning continuum had passive learning to the far left, it moved to engagement, and then it moved to academic engagement. Just thinking about, are students just getting the information? Are they actually being academically challenged and doing something with that information? Nearpod has so many different interactive features to embed when presenting content to students that allows students to be academically engaged. You can add FET simulations, virtual reality, media, and a collaboration board that allows students to extend the conversation. Embedding quick checks is important to check for students' understanding. It informs educators an instance of students learning of the concepts being taught. And at the end of a Nearpod session, educators can run a report where they can determine if they see any trends in students' responses. This will guide educators with their next steps and meet the students where they're at. They may need to provide remediation or enrichment based on their students' current level. One key component is really thinking about providing students with choice, regardless if students are in a face-to-face -face model or if they're working remotely from home, 
it's important to still provide them with choice. And one idea that we can provide students with choice is really thinking about how they demonstrate mastery. So again, going back to the Nearpod and Vocabulary platform, Vocabulary created a guide to rap. And rap is W-R-A-P, writing rhymes with academic purpose. And they had six key components to that. And they call it the six Ps. Pick, plan, prioritize, put together, perform, process, and really reflect on the process. And so thinking about all of our students' learning styles, thinking about ways that they really strive in demonstrating their learning, students who are strong with musical intelligence based on Gardner's multiple intelligence theory, this will be a great opportunity for them to really synthesize the information that they learned and create a rap or a rhyme just to show that they have learned that information. I think this is a great way to allow students to be academically engaged in their learning. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast reflection on our distance learning PD. So that's going to be a wrap on season three, episode one, the Squadcast. We do want to make sure to give credit where credit is due and let you know where you can find additional resources and information on these topics if you're interested. So I'm going to name the courses that we have taken ourselves to learn more about these new topics. So the first course is called Distance Learning for Educators, and that is free through Google. There are also two courses available for free through Screencastify. The first one is called Master the Screencast with Neff Dukes, and that's kind of like a level one. And the second is called Screencastify Genius with Alice Keeler, and that's kind of like a level two. What's neat about that one is that she really focuses on how Screencastify can work with Google and the Google tools. The next course was one of all of our favorites. It was called Remote Learning 101 with Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook, and that course was also free. We also all went through the TCEA certification course for remote learning educators. That one did have a a cost associated with it. And we're also reading the Distance Learning Playbook by Fisher, Frey, and Hattie. So if you're interested in learning more, you are more than welcome to dig into any of those or reach out to your ILC.